Section 3 of A Year with the Saints, translated from the Italian by member of the Order of Mercy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, recording by Maria Therese. February, Humility. Whoever humbleth himself shall be exalted. Luke 15, 11. 1. Humility is the foundation of all the virtues. Therefore, in a soul where it does not exist, there can be no true virtue, but the mere appearance only. In like manner, it is the most proper disposition for all celestial gifts. And finally, it is so necessary to perfection that of all the ways to reach it, the first is humility, the second humility, the third humility. And if the question were repeated a hundred times, I should always give the same answer. St. Augustine St. Vincent de Paul perceived that all his advancement and almost all the graces he had received were due to this virtue, and for this reason he inculcated it so much and so greatly desired to introduce it into his congregation. St. Aloysius Gonzaga, who knew this truth well, took no greater pains in acquiring any other virtue. For this purpose he recited every day a special prayer to the angels, that they would aid him to walk in this royal road which they themselves had first trodden, that he might finally succeed in gaining the position of one of those stars that fell from heaven through pride. A certain man named Pascasius said that for twenty years he had never asked anything of God except humility, and yet that he had but little of it. However, when no one was able to expel a devil from a possessed person, Pascasius had scarcely entered the church before the devil cried out, This man I fear, and immediately departed. Fra Maffeo, a companion of St. Francis, once heard, in a conference on humility, that a great servant of God was very remarkable for this virtue, and that on account of it God loaded him with spiritual gifts. He was thus inspired with so great a love for it that he made a vow never to rest until he should perceive that he had acquired it. He remained then, shut up in his cell, asking of God true humility, with tears, fasting, mourning, and many prayers. One day he went out in the woods, and while he was sighing and asking this grace from God, with ejaculatory prayers, he heard the Lord saying to him, Framafeo, what would you give for humility? He answered, I would give my eyes. And I, replied the Lord, desire that you should have your eyes and the grace you seek. Suddenly there entered his heart a great joy, and at the same time he had the lowest possible opinion of himself, so that he considered himself the least of all men. 2. Humility is the mother of many virtues. From it spring obedience, holy fear, reverence, patience, modesty, mildness, and peace. For whoever is humble easily obeys all, fears to offend any, maintains peace with all, shows himself affable to all, is submissive to all, does not offend or displease any, and does not feel the insult which may be inflicted upon him. He lives happy and contented, and in great peace. St. Thomas of Villanova Here we see the reason why St. Francis, St. Dominic, St. Vincent de Paul, and so many others became remarkable for all the virtues above mentioned. It is because they were remarkable for humility. St. Jane Francis de Chantel had conceived so much affection for this virtue that she watched over herself with the greatest attention, in order that she might not allow even the smallest occasion of practicing it to escape. And she once said to St. Francis de Sales, My dearest father, I beg you, for the love of God, 
help me to humble myself. 3. Whoever is not very humble can never draw profit from contemplation, in which any little atom of insufficient humility, though it may seem nothing, works the greatest harm. St. Teresa One day the Blessed Virgin prayed her most holy son that he would bestow some spiritual gifts upon St. Bridget, but he gave her this reply. Whoever seeks lofty things ought first to be exercised in the lowly by the paths of humility. Because the Blessed Clara of Montefalco experienced a vain pleasure in some things she had done, the Lord withdrew from her for fifteen years, his lights and celestial consolations which she could not regain during all that time. Though she begged for them earnestly, with tears, prayers, and the use of the discipline. 4. Humility is necessary not only for the acquisition of virtues, but even for salvation. For the gate of heaven, as Christ himself testifies, is so narrow that it admits only little ones. St. Bernard The Pharisee was separated by his condition and life from the rest of the people, as the sect formed a kind of religious order, in which they prayed, fasted, and performed many other good works. But he was, notwithstanding, reproved by God. Why, then, was this? For no other reason than that he was wanting in humility, for he felt much satisfaction in his good works and glorified in them as if they were the result of his own virtue. William, Bishop of Lyons, tells in his chronicles of a monk who often violated the prescribed silence, but upon being admonished spiritually by his abbot, he amended and became so recollected and so devout that he was worthy to receive from God many revelations. Now it happened that the father abbot was sent for by a hermit who, having reached the close of a virtuous life, desired to receive from him the last sacraments. The abbot went and took with him the silent monk. On the road, a robber, hearing the little bell, accompanied the blessed sacrament as far as the cell of the dying man, but he stopped outside, considering himself unworthy to enter the abode of a saint. After the hermit had confessed and received communion with humility, the robber kept repeating at the door, Oh, father, if I were but like you, oh, how happy should I be! The hermit, hearing this, said in his heart with presumption and complacency, You are right to desire this, who can doubt it? And immediately expired. Then the good religious began to weep and withdrew from the abbot. The robber followed them with tears and hatred for his sins and the full purpose of confessing and doing penance for them as soon as they should arrive at the monastery. But he was not able to reach it for on the way he fell unexpectedly to the ground and died. At this accident the religious became joyous again and laughed, and when the abbot asked him why he had been sad at the death of the hermit and joyful at that of the robber, he replied, Because the former is lost in punishment for his presumption, and the latter saved on account of his strong resolution to do fitting penance for his sins, and the sorrow he felt for them was so great that it has cancelled even all their penalty. 5. The most powerful weapon to conquer the devil is humility, for, as he does not know at all how to employ it, neither does he know how to defend himself from it. St. Vincent de Paul When Macarius was returning one day to his cell, he met the devil, who, with a scythe in his hand, tried to cut him to pieces. 
but he could not do it, because, as soon as he came near, he lost his strength. Then, full of rage, he said, Great misery do I suffer from thee, O Macarius, for though I wish so much to hurt thee, I am not able. It is strange, I do all that thou doest, and even more. Thou dost fast sometimes, and I never eat. Thou sleepest little, and I never close my eyes. Thou art chaste, and so am I. In one thing only thou surpasseth me. And what is that one thing? inquired Macarius. It is thy great humility, replied the demon. Saying this, he disappeared and was seen no more. The devil once appeared to a monk in the form of the archangel Gabriel, and said that he was sent to him by God. The monk replied, See that thou be not sent by another, and the devil immediately disappeared. When an old priest was exercising a possessed person, the demon said that he would never come out, if he did not first tell him what the goats and what the lambs were like. The good priest quickly answered, The goats are all those who are like me. What the lambs may resemble, God knows. At these words the devil cried out, Through your humility it can no longer remain here, and immediately departed. 6. Persons who keep themselves low in their own estimation, and love to be considered of little account and despised by others, please God in the highest degree, and, therefore, he willingly lowers himself to them, pours upon them the treasures of his graces, reveals to them his secrets, invites and draws them sweetly to himself. Thus, the more one lowers and abases himself before men, the more he rises and becomes great in the sight of God, and the more clearly he will, one day, behold the divine essence. St. Thomas of Kempis St. Gertrude, one day, hearing the little bell ring for communion, and not feeling as well prepared as she desired, said to the Lord, I see that thou art even now coming to me, but why hast thou not first adorned my heart with some ornaments of devotion, which which I might be more suitably prepared to come and meet thee? But the Lord answered, Know that sometimes I am more pleased with the virtue of humility than with exterior devotion. A religious, not being able to understand a passage of Holy Scripture, fasted for seven weeks, and not understanding it then, resolved to go to another monk and inquire about it. But scarcely had he gone out of his cell, when there appeared to him an angel, sent expressly from God, who said to him, Thy fast has not rendered thee pleasing to God, but rather this humiliation of thine. And then he solved for him the doubt. After Teus was converted, she held herself always so low in her own eyes, on account of her past evil life, that she did not dare to utter the holy name of God, even in invoking him, but only said, My Creator, have mercy on me. And by this humility she arrived at such a sublime degree of perfection, that when Paul the Simple saw a most beautiful place in paradise, which he supposed to be intended for St. Anthony, he was informed that it would be occupied by Thais within a fortnight. St. Bonaventure said, I know a thing to do which will please the Lord. I will consider myself as refuse. I will become intolerable to myself. And when I find myself shamed, degraded, trampled upon, and loaded with insults by others, I will rejoice and exult, because of myself I cannot abase or detest myself as much as I ought. I will call in help from all creatures, desiring to be confounded and punished by them all, because I have despised their Creator. This shall be my dearest treasure, 
to solicit suits and slights upon myself, to love above all others those who will help me in this, and to abhor all the consolation and honors of the present life. If I do this, I believe it certain that the treasury of divine mercy will open above me, miserable and unworthy as I am. St. Francis of Assisi considered himself not only a mere nothing, the greatest sinner in the world, and deserving of hell, but unworthy even that God should give him a thought. One day, while he was speaking in this manner to one of his companions, the latter saw, in spirit, that there was prepared for him in heaven a seat among the seraphim. 7. One day of humble self-knowledge is a greater grace from the Lord, although it may have cost us many afflictions and trials, than many days of prayer. St. Teresa St. Gertrude, once reflecting upon the benefits she had received from God, blushed for herself and became so odious in her own eyes that she seemed unworthy to remain in the sight of God, and she would gladly have found some nook where she might conceal from man, if not from God, the odor of corruption with which she felt herself tainted. At this, Christ humbled himself to her with so much goodness that the whole celestial court stood amazed. The venerable mother Serafina de Dio received one day a spiritual light by means of which as she states in her account of it to her director she perceived clearly that god being by his nature luminous truth can behold in himself only that which he really is that is infinite perfection in which he rejoices and delights therefore when he wishes to unite a soul to himself he communicates to it a light of truth by which it seems without error or deception its own nature that is, that by itself it has never done any good, neither is it able to do any, that in itself it has only inclination to evil, and what good it has is altogether from God, and such a person has no need of much consideration and analysis, because with such a light of truth all appears so clear that to think otherwise would be mere darkness and deceit. But though the soul, in this clear light, appears ugly, deformed, and odious in its own eyes, Yet, in the eyes of God, it seems beautiful and very pleasing, because it becomes like his own most true and luminous nature. It happened that this same servant of God, after leading an innocent and most perfect life, came at one time to know her imperfections with such clearness that they seemed to her to become very grave and frightful sins, so that she experienced great bitterness of spirit, and could obtain no peace. When she was reproved for any failure, she was not at all disturbed, but said in her heart, what you see is nothing. Oh, if you saw all, how you would abhor me. But the Lord consoled her by telling her, interiorly, that her past imperfections seemed to her so unusually great because her soul was in a state of clear light, but that these deformities were no longer in existence, as he had already cancelled them by his blood. 8. Hold thyself as vile, rejoice to be so held by others. Never exalt thyself by reason of the gifts of God, and thou shalt be perfectly humble. St. Bonaventure A soul of precisely this type was St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. It is recorded of her that she was so vile in her own eyes that she constantly looked upon herself as the lowest of creatures and the most disgraceful and abominable thing upon earth. Being one day called to the great by the Duchess of Bracciano, she said with great feeling, if my lady duchess knew that sister mary magdalene is the abomination of this convent 
she would not think of naming her, much less of sending for her. In the same light in which she looked upon herself, she desired also to be viewed by others, and when she was treated contemptuously or in any way humiliated, she rejoiced so much that in reward for the great gladness with which she received humiliations, she was often wrapped in ecstasy after them. For this reason she could not bear to see that she was honored and esteemed, and that others had a good opinion of her, and to prevent this she would often accuse herself in public and in private of her smallest defects, even with exaggeration. And so, with things which were not really faults, she mentioned them in such a way as to make them seem grave faults. For example, in cutting up a pineapple one day, she ate two morsels that fell from it. Therefore she accused herself of gluttony and of eating outside of the refectory, contrary to the constitution. She took, besides, all possible pains to conceal from others her virtues and holy works, and when she could not do this, she would try to depreciate them by showing that they were full of defects. In this way she would make the most perfect actions seem worthy of reproof, or, at least, merely natural, and springing from her own inclination. And as she could neither prevent nor conceal the ecstasies which were granted to her, it displeased her exceedingly to be looked at or listened to while they lasted, even to such a degree that she once complained to the Lord, saying, O oh, my Jesus, how is it that thou hast conferred upon me so much that is known only to thee and myself, and now thou wilt have me reveal it? Hast thou not promised me that as thou wast hidden, so should I also be? Once when her confessor ordered her to report to her companions what happened to her in these ecstasies, she wept bitterly, as she did also in making the relation, so that, finally, she went so far as to entreat the Lord to make her no more communications of the kind. She was so far from drawing any complacency or self-esteem from this source, that, as if she had committed a fault, she would humble herself after these favors, even to the last novice or lay sister, and set herself to perform the daily exercises with them, and converse with them with so much humility and charity that it was an admirable thing to see and hear her, first holy communion with the divine majesty with such loftiness of ideas, and then immediately after to behold her so humble, dependent, and submissive to her neighbor. 9. Humility, which Christ recommended to us both by word and example, ought to include three conditions. First, we are to consider ourselves, in all sincerity, worthy of the contempt of men. Secondly, to be glad that others should see what is imperfect in us, and what might cause them to despise us. Thirdly, when the Lord works, try good in us or by our means, to conceal it, if possible, at the sight of our baseness. And if this cannot be done, to ascribe it to the divine mercy, and to the merits of others. Whoever shall attain to this humility, happy is he and to him who shall not attain it, Greece will never be wanting. St. Vincent de Paul The first condition was certainly to be found in the heart of St. Clare, who used to say to her companions, Oh, sisters, if you knew me well, you would abhor and avoid me, like one stricken with a plague, because I am not what you believe me, but a wicked woman. The venerable sister Maria Crucifixa, who considered herself the vilest creature upon earth, often spoke thus of herself to her companions, and with feelings of such sincere and perfect humiliation as excited her to a high degree of compunction. This even led her to ask leave to retire to a convent of penitence, which she said was a fitting place for her, 
as she ought to live the life of a penitent. St. Francis Borgia, too, was so deeply grounded in a low opinion of himself that he wondered how the people could salute, and not rather stone him, as he passed through the streets. The second condition was also possessed, in a high degree, by St. Clare. She revealed the greatest faults of her life to all her confessors, intending that they should conceive a bad opinion of her. But when she found this plan failed, she changed her confessors often, in the hope of finding one who would consider her the wretched creature that she really believed herself to be. St. Catherine of Bologna, likewise, not only told all her sins to her confessors, but even intentionally dropped the paper on which they were written, that she might be despised by all. St. John of the Cross, too, when he went to Granada, where he was sent as provincial vicar, happened to meet there a brother of his, who was so poor that he lived by alms. When he saw him with his cloak all torn, he was as much pleased as another would have been to see his brother in a rich dress. And when the Grand Duke came to visit him, he brought him forward, saying that this was his brother, who was working in the monastery. The third condition was possessed, in the highest degree, by St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, who, when asked or commanded by her superior to make the sign of the cross over the sick, or to offer a prayer for any one in need, always called another to join her in this action or prayer, so that when the favor came it might be attributed not to her, but to the virtue of the other, as she always attributed it herself. The same may be said of an abbess named Sarah, of whom it is related in the lives of the fathers that she had been assailed by a demon for thirteen years, but was finally liberated by her fervent prayers. Then the demon said to her, Thou hast conquered me, Sarah. But she replied, It is not I who have conquered thee, but truly it is my Lord Jesus Christ. Monsignor de Palafox showed that he possessed in a singular degree this beautiful quality of attributing to God all the good he did, for he looked upon his good actions not as his own choice, but as pure effects of grace, and so, instead of believing, as people in general do, that he acquired by them merit before God, he believed that his obligations to God were increased by doing them. And as he thought, so he spoke, for he was accustomed to confess himself to be under the greatest obligations to God, because he had bestowed upon him great peace of mind, constant repentance for his sins, great patience and consolation in vexations and labors, great love and respect for the poor, and for his persecutors, and had taken from him all attachment to riches, honors, convenience, and his own judgment, and had also given him the grace to perform with fervent penances the visitation of the sick, and many practices of devotion, as well as strength and talent to make wise and useful regulations, to build many churches, and to accomplish every one of his actions purely and solely for the honor and service of his divine majesty. And what is certainly most to be admired is, that he derived only confusion and fear from so many good and holy works, which ordinarily produce, even in excellent persons, a certain good opinion and esteem of themselves, and make them believe themselves deserving of praise from men and reward from God. He looked upon them, on the contrary, as special graces granted to him by the divine goodness, for which he must, one day, give a strict account, and he thought that on the last day, in presence of all the world, there would be so many points of accusation against him, because he had not corresponded to so many divine favors by a better and more perfect life. The humility of St. Vincent de Paul was accompanied by all three of these conditions. He had so low an opinion of himself that he considered himself a great sinner, a cause for scandal, and unworthy to remain even in his own congregation. 
Wherefore, he often spoke of himself as a hardened sinner, an abominable sinner, unworthy to live and standing in the utmost need of the mercy of God, on account of the abominations of his life. One day, prostrate before his missionaries, he said with great feeling, If you could see my miseries, you would drive me from the house, to which I am a loss, a burden, and a scandal. I am surely unworthy to remain in the congregation, on account of the scandal that I give. Because he truly felt thus, he desired that others, too, should feel so, and therefore he was pleased to have his imperfections visible to all, and he even manifested them openly on occasion, to the end that he might be despised and lightly regarded by all. For this reason he often said that he was the son of a swineherd, a poor grammar student, and no scholar. For the same cause he acknowledged as his nephew, before all in the house, and even before some noble visitors, a poor young man who had come to ask his aid. And as he felt at first some unwillingness to acknowledge him when he heard of his arrival, he often accused himself of this to his companions as a great fault, exaggerating, too, the pride that caused it. He could not bear to hear himself praised, or see himself held in high esteem. And so, when a poor woman told him, in presence of some persons of rank, that she had been a servant of his mother, hoping to induce him to give her alms, the saint, to whom such flattery was unpleasant, answered quickly, my poor woman, you are mistaken. My mother never kept a servant, but she was a servant herself, and afterwards the wife of a poor peasant. For this cause, too, he was never heard to speak of the excellent works which he had carried on, nor of the wonderful circumstances in which he had been placed. A remarkable proof of this is that though innumerable occasions offer themselves to speak of his slavery in Tunis, especially in the exhortations which he addressed to his congregation and others, to move them to aid the poor slaves in Barbary. He never let fall a word concerning himself, nor about what he had said or done to convert his master, and escape with him from the hands of the infidels, nor as to anything else that happened to him in that country. This is a rare case, on account of the pleasure which everyone naturally feels in narrating the perils, the dangers and difficulties from which he has happily escaped, especially when his success reveals some virtue and gives occasion for praise. But when necessity or the good of others sometimes constrained him to tell something which he had done for the glory of God, if anything had gone ill, he attributed to himself whatever might cause humiliation, though he had given no occasion for it. But, if all went well, he told of it in very humble terms, setting all to the account of the zeal and labor of others, and suppressing so far as he could those circumstances which would bring praise to himself and he always ascribed even the slightest good that he did to God, as its primary and only cause. For example, he never said, I did this, I said this, I thought this, but rather, God inspired me with this thought, put into my mouth these words, gave me strength to do this, and so on. The humility of St. Francis de Sales was, says St. Jean Francis de Chantal, humility of heart, for it was his maxim, that the love of our objection ought to be with us at every step, and, therefore, he strove to conceal the gifts of grace as much as he could, and endeavored to appear of less account than he really was, so that he was often slow and late in giving his opinion upon subjects with which he was well acquainted. 10. We ought always to consider others as our superiors, and to yield to them, even though they be our inferiors, by offering them every kind of respect and service. Oh, what a beautiful thing it would be, 
if it should please God to confirm us well in such a practice. St. Vincent de Paul This was precisely the practice of this saint. He made great account of all, and considered all better than himself, more prudent, more perfect, more capable, and more fit for any employment, and therefore he felt no difficulty in yielding his own opinion to any one. We read of a good nun, named Sister Rachel Pastore, who had formed such a humble opinion of herself, that she regarded all persons, without exception, as her superiors, and with this sentiment deeply fixed in her heart, she abased and humbled herself in the presence of all. 11. Our Lord says that whoever wishes to become greatest of all must make himself least of all. This is a truth that all Christians believe. How happens it, then, that so few practice it? St. Vincent de Paul the same saint was one of these few as he had always but a low opinion of himself and had taken so much pains to lower himself beneath all god continually exalted him by the many great works which he entrusted to him by the high regard in which he was generally held and by the abundant benedictions which god bestowed on all his actions st paula by the testimony of st jerome excelled so much in self-abasement that if a stranger attracted by her fame had come to visit her he would never have recognized her, but would rather have supposed her to be one of the least of her own servants. And when she was surrounded by bunches of young maidens, in dress, speech, and manner, she always seemed the humblest of them all. 12. Do not believe that thou hast made any advance in perfection, unless thou considerest thyself the worst of all, and desirest that all should be preferred to thee, for it is the mark of those who are great in the eyes of God, to be small in their own eyes, and the more glorious they are in the sight of God, the more vile they appear in their own sight. St. Teresa One day, when St. Anthony was praying, he heard a voice saying, Anthony, thou hast not reached the perfection of a man named Coriarius, who lives in Alexandria. The saint went immediately to find him, and inquired about his life. Coriarius answered, I do not know that I have ever done anything good. And so, when I rise in the morning, I say in my heart that all the people in this city will be saved by their good works, and I alone shall be lost for my sins. And I say the same thing in the evening, in all sincerity, before going to rest. No, 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 replied St. Anthony, thou hast securest heaven for thyself by thy wise practice, but I have unwisely failed to attain this excellence of thine. In the lives of the fathers, a certain monk is mentioned who, in giving an account of his interior to the abbot Sicilius, said that he kept continually before his mind the thought of God. The abbot answered, That is nothing great. The great thing would be that you should see yourself below every creature. One of the chief men of Alexandria, having been received into a monastery, the abbot judged, from his appearance and other signs, that he was a hard man, haughty and inflated with worldly pride. Wishing to lead him by the safe road of humility, he placed him in the porter's lodge, with instructions to throw himself at the feet of all who passed in or out, and to beg them to pray to God for him, because he was a great sinner. He obeyed with exactness, and persevered in this exercise for seven years, acquiring thereby great humility. The abbot then thought it time to give him the habit, and admit him to the society of the other members of the order, but when he heard of this, he implored and entreated to be left as he was for the short time, which, as he said, remained to him of life. His request was granted, and he proved to be a true prophet, 
for after ten days he died in great peace and confidence in regard to his salvation this is related by st john climacus who says that he had spoken with this man and when he inquired how he occupied himself in all that time when he was remaining at the gate he replied my constant exercise was to consider myself unworthy to stay in the monastery and to enjoy the sight and company of the fathers or even to raise my eyes to look at them we read of the venerable maria seraphina de dio that she seemed to have no eyes except to see and exaggerate her own defects and to admire the virtues of others so when she saw others performing any good action she would say with feeling how happy are they all except me attend to the service of god when she saw any going to the confessors she thought they would only have to hear and speak of god while she reproached herself that she went solely to tell her errors and sins if she ever saw any one commit a fault she always found means to excuse or palliate it and thus she was able in spite of the sins of others to retain the opinion which she held of herself as being the worst of all thirteen when one is very remarkable for virtue and truly great before god and favored and esteemed by him yet with all this remains little and vile in his own eyes here is that humility so grateful to god and so rare among men which was found most perfect in the blessed virgin who on hearing herself chosen to be the mother of god acknowledged herself to be a servant and handmaiden st bernard st mary magdalene de Pazzi was an admirable example of this though she had arrived at high perfection and sanctity and saw herself enriched by god with extraordinary graces and favors even to the power of working miracles yet with all this she has so low an esteem and so poor an opinion of herself as to astonish those who knew her nor was this a matter of pure imagination or of mere words but true and sincere and was clearly shown by an ecstasy in which the lord showed her the strength and virtue he intended to communicate to her against the fierce temptations she had endured from the devil and she broke forth with these words what confusion for me that upon the lowest and vilest creature upon earth as i am that as i is to bestow the immensity of the treasures of thy liberality and mercy it was the same with st vincent de paul though his virtues were known to all in spite of the contrivances that he used to conceal them yet to him alone they remained unknown because by putting his own baseness continually before his eyes he cut off the view of them so that although he was rich and abounding in virtue and celestial gifts he always esteemed himself poor needy and destitute of all spiritual good thence came the title that he usually gave himself the poor wretch when saint teresa reflected upon the favors she received from god in such great abundance she humbled herself the more on account of them saying that the lord sustained her extreme weakness in this way and that these supports proved how great was her tendency to fall as a house is shown to be tottering by the prop set up to hold it fourteen vain self-complacency in the desire of making a show of being spoken of of having our conduct praised and of hearing it said that we succeed well and are doing wonders this is an evil which makes us forget god which infects our holiest actions and is of all vices the most injurious to progress in the spiritual life I do not understand how any one can believe and hold it as a truth of faith that he who exalts himself shall be abased if he desires to pass for a man of worth a person of prudence foresight and ability st vincent de paul 
the widely known franciscan brother justin entered the order of st francis after refusing great favors and most honorable offices which the king of hungary offered him he then advanced so far in religion that he had frequent ecstasies one day while dining at the table in the monastery he was raised in the air and carried over the heads of the religious to pray before a picture of the virgin which was painted high on the wall on account of this wonder pope eugenius the fourth sent for him and embraced him not allowing him to kiss his feet then seating him by his side he had a long conversation with him and gave him many presents and indulgences this favor made him vain and st john capistron meeting him on his return said alas thou didst go forth an angel and thou art come back a demon in fact increasing every day in insolence he killed a monk with a knife after a term of imprisonment he escaped into the kingdom of naples where he committed many crimes and finally died in prison a holy monk once passed a night in a convent of nuns where there was a boy continually tormented by a devil through all that night the child remained undisturbed and so in the morning the monk was requested to take him home to his monastery and keep him until the cure was complete he did this and then as nothing more happened to the boy he said to the other monks with some complacency the devil made light of those nuns in tormenting this boy but since he has come into this monastery of god's servants he has no longer dared to approach him no sooner had he said this than the boy in the presence of them all began to suffer as he had previously and the monk bewailed his heir another monk once boasted in presence of his abbot st pacomius that he had made two mats in one day when the saint reproved him and ordered him to carry the two mats on his shoulders before the other monks and ask the pardon and prayers of all because he had valued those two mats more than the kingdom of heaven he also commanded him to remain five months in his cell without ever allowing himself to be seen and to make two mats a day for all that time from his earliest years st thomas of aquinas was always opposed to receive praise and he never uttered a word which might lead to it therefore he never felt any temptation to vanity or self-complacency as he himself testified to brother reginald saying he rendered thanks to god that he had never been tempted by pride st vincent de paul made this resolution to close the path against self-complacency when i am performing some public action and may complete it with honour i will perform it indeed but i will omit those details which might give it lustre or attract notice to myself of two thoughts which come into my mind i will manifest the lower to humble myself and i will keep back the higher to make in my heart a sacrifice of it to god for it is at times expedient to do a thing less well outwardly rather than to be pleased with ourselves for having done it well and to be applauded and esteemed for it and it is a truth of the gospel that nothing pleases the lord so much as humility of heart and simplicity of word and deed it is here that his spirit resides and it is in vain to seek it elsewhere this resolution he observed carefully one day when travelling with three of his priests he told them by way of diversion an adventure which had once happened to him but in the midst of his story he stopped short striking his breast and saying that he was a wretch full of pride and always talking of himself when he reached home prostrating himself before them he asked pardon for the scandal he had given them by talking about himself end of section three